HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by 100 Bogart Street, a co-working building in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Need a professional place to work from? Learn more by visiting 100bogart.com. This week on a special bonus episode of Meet and 3, we find out how Brexit could be changing the way that Brits eat. If you're not getting your food from the European Union, where Britain gets 30% directly, well, where are you going to get it from? As I put very succinctly, bye-bye fresh peaches from Italy, hello tinned peaches from Florida. Bye-bye fresh oranges, hello tinned oranges. Bye-bye free-range beef, hello hormone-injected beef. Tune in to hear about the UK's struggle to stabilize its food system on Meat and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, hey, you're listening to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway. Um, it is a wonderful, sort of warm uh, February Sunday, and I am joined in the station by two women who are just veterans of the food industry. And it's always fun to have somebody who is also a veteran of food radio. And so I'm really excited to have... and. Her name is also Kathy. So our first guest today, um, Kathy Gunst. Hi. Thanks so much for joining oh, us. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. So you are a James Beard award-winning journalist, author of 15 cookbooks. 16. 16 now. With this one. With this one, Rage Baking, which you co-wrote with our other guest today. She is the boss lady at Food Network of 20 years or so um, and has done... A whole lot more. She ran the New York Times four-star kitchen, has been a green market manager. Thank you very much for that. It is none other than Catherine Alford. Yes, thank you. And I am a former Food Network. Former. Boss lady. I am Got a it. free lady now. Okay. And you both co-wrote Rage Baking, the transformative power of flour, fury, and women's voices. One of the most unique books I've seen in my life. Thank, thank you. you. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It we'll take that. It definitely doesn't follow the traditional model, that's for sure. Yeah. When we set out, we knew this couldn't be a traditional format for a cookbook. We knew we had to weave in voices in many mm -hmm. different ways, like recipes, essays, interviews, poetry, old photography, new photography. And, and yet at the same time, you have 50-plus um, pastry recipes and... 
so many contributors um, lending a voice in an essay or a conversation, including Ani DiFranco and, and a wonderful um, veterans of food writing like Ruth Reichel. Um, there's also Rebecca Traister, um, feminist uh, Good writer. Good and bad, yeah. Yeah, just um, Carla Hall. I mean, the list goes on and on. Some of my favorite people ever. Um, Asai Endelin, Von Diaz, um, Charlotte yeah. Druckmann. You got uh, just so many folks that are contributing to this book. It was really one of the most wonderful projects I've ever worked on just for that reason, to bring all the different voices together and points of view. And, you know, to talk about our, our rage and the yeah. com- and having this conversation about where we are right now in this country. It was very, very, very gratifying. It is very gratifying. So, um, Kathy, you wrote that this uh, book, or you got like some of the se- first seeds of the idea for this book while watching the Kavanaugh trial. Unfortunately, that is a true story. Um, yeah. During the Kavanaugh hearings, I was obsessed. I couldn't turn it <laughs> yeah. off. My radio was on felt like 24 hours a day. <clears throat> and I um, found myself not at my normal level of anger. It was definitely a notch above. Mm. And um, mm-hmm. each night after I would spend the day listening, I found myself in the kitchen baking. And this was unusual for two reasons. One is I've written all these cookbooks. <laughs> I'm a food writer. But I don't consider myself a master baker. Mm. It's not my go-to because I'm not that person that tends to follow all the rules. And in baking, that's very helpful. Um, So I found myself baking not in a normal way. In one night, I'd make a pie, a batch of cookies, and a cake. And I would feel myself getting grounded again. And then Mm -hmm. the next morning, I would turn on the radio and listen to more and repeat it. And I started bringing cakes to neighbors and giving the cookies to the UPS guy. Yeah, that was funny. It went for days. And I started posting photos of this with the hashtag Rage Bakers and got a lot of reaction from women all over the country going through the same thing right now. I'm baking. One would say I'm knitting. One would say I'm sewing. One would say I'm just raging on the couch and weeping. And then Catherine and I have been friends for over 10 years. A few months later, we were talking and she said we should do a book. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, we should do a rage baking book. Mm -hmm. And I thought, like, you know, the light bulb went off. And I thought, this really is important. It is a time in this country and a time in our lives and a time for women and men when we have to do what we can do. So we are food writers, we are food journalists. And it felt like, let's put down in a book what we're going through, what other women are going through, and come up with some really solid, doable baking recipes. And it was very important Mm -hmm. to take this sort of idea of rage baking and make it a community cookbook. Yeah. That it wasn't just, you know, I mean, Kathy and I, between the two of us, I figured out we've probably done over 20, 23, 4, 5 cookbooks. And, you know, we could do the mm-hmm. nice baking book, but it was right. like that. I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do something that was much broader than that. And yeah. that also bridged the gap of how food and people in the food community are active and have a voice. And particularly to try to switch that whole idea of like, oh, just go back into the you know kitchen and bake some cookies. Yeah. Um, this, is, this is about rage and force and using our skills to do something very dynamic because the times we're living in are not 
regular or normal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so doing a sort of non-traditional cookbook seemed super right on to do it and to do something that was also pro-social, that some of the proceeds are going to go to Emily's List, mm-hmm. which is in favor of women candidates, progressive women candidates all across the country. There are over 50,000 women that um, Emily's List supports. One of the coolest things about it, I'm from Maine, and Emily's List, Emily, I always thought it was Emily that started it. It, it, It's an acronym for early money is like yeast. (laughs) The idea being that if you back a woman early in her candidacy, that she can thrive and grow. And the woman who started Emily's List was once upon a time a baker in Maine. Wow. So we're like, whoa, this is <laughs> just too there. perfect. Yeah. And she wrote the foreword. She Stephanie did. Sherlock. The president. The president, the current president. Of yes. Emily. Yes. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. This is definitely a cookbook with a purpose. And thank you so much for not mincing words with the title and with the whole content of it. I'm just so, I'm so glad it got published. I'm just yeah. So, so, were so were we. Yeah. It was, it was, and, and, you know, when we put it out there, people were like, I'm not sure like, I understand what? this book. And Good. to find so then, a home yeah. at Tiller Press, which is part of Simon & Schuster, mm-hmm. they, they were so excited and they got it and the design, everything. It was. It looks really great. Too. It, it was yeah. an amazing project, which in reality we did in like three and a half months. Wow. Yeah, we didn't sleep much. <laughs> there were a lot of calories involved. A fit of rage. The other thing that's like you touched on this before, we have this incredible list of contributors right. from Ani DeFranco to food writers that you may know. But what was most interesting was we put together this list, we reached out to these women. And in almost every case, we got an email response almost immediately (laughs) that said, hell yes. (laughs) Like, that's when we knew we had touched a nerve because all these women, you know, poets, musicians, bakers, food writers, cartoonists, photographers, they're all like, this speaks to me. Mm -hmm. I love how um, Ani DeFranco in the conversation said she's not much of a baker and similar to like she wish she learned more, like she wish she had taken piano lessons. She said she's somewhat... Um, aware of of how f- how much more you can do with it, but she I, likes yeah. knowing it at the sort I, of I love that analogy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she said she's got two kids now, mm-hmm. and she says she cooks and they have family meals. But yeah, that she's she's only like a beginner in it, and wish yeah. that she was more proficient. She you said want to it's read like it? a language I can say please and thank you in, exactly. but I know there's much more to express. I know I love yeah, that quote. That was great. She was uh, so incredible to talk yeah. to, and. You know, she basically began her career from a place of rage. Righteous Babe is her label. And as soon as we connected, I'm like, she's so perfect for this. Not everybody had to be a baker. You know, we said, what does the word rage bring up for you? Or what does the phrase rage baking elicit for you? And as you can see in the book, everybody had a different response to that. And not everybody, um, like, I I think that, Osai Endelin and Charlotte Druckmann both said, actually, it's more about writing. And yeah. then, <laughs> and that like, was very important yeah. that, you know, the whole That's idea, you know, rage, yeah. the, um, the idea is you like the, the practice of baking, which is very sort of Zen, like you have to be very precise in the rules of yes. it. Then you put it into the oven and then there's that pause. And we really conceived of the idea is like you bake it, you put it into the oven and then you read something that is really transformative, mm. that helps that transformative power. So, for example, mm. there's an amazingly delicious lemon pound cake from El Simone. And then she sent us this poem about her grandmother and the Great Migration and how food 
played such an important part of it. And like you read that poem, that cake never tasted more powerful. Oh, wow. It's so yeah. emotional to connect the baking of a lemon cake. You know, I, I, I baked the cake first and I loved it. It's the moistest, most delicious cake. And then the poem came and I'm fairly emotional, but man, the tears are just pouring down. It's so moving and beautifully done. I, I urge people to take a look at that poem. Uh, and the cake. That sounds really good, the too. The cake right? is fabulous. <laughs> um, I just have to ask, this might be a little bit um, besides the point, but why baking? Like, why couldn't we have rage soup making? Or <laughs> you can. Yeah. Please don't limit don't your know. rage. <laughs> I mean, I just wrote a book about soup. But, That's um, right. For me, I can only answer for me, um, it's, it's what I was describing earlier about what happened during the Kavanaugh hearing. I think it's baking is very much about precision. Um, if you weigh the flour, if you measure the sugar correctly, if you put out the baking soda and level the teaspoon, you will get results. And I think listening to the Kavanaugh hearing and in the months ahead, the impeachment trials, everything that's going on. For me, it felt like there was an erosion of morality and an erosion of at least what I defined as you if you work hard, if you believe in something, it will come through. But this government is not about following rules or following laws. It's very much like all the rules got put into a garbage can and mixed up. Yeah. And there was something about baking that was very grounding for me. Yeah, and I think the whole idea of baking and women's relationship with baking, but also when you bake something, whether it's a cake or a pie or even a batch of cookies, it's shared with a community. You don't... Mm -hmm. It's not for one. You yeah. know, ideally, you right. don't sit down no, and eat an entire true. pie. Yeah. Although that's rage eating. Yeah, yeah. And we talked a lot about that because we did a lot of that. But that... You know, and also that like cakes, we were seeing this all over the place where women were using cakes, the top of a cake as, you know, a palette to express their rage or ah. whether it was about immigration or women's rights or a right to choose. And then, of course, you know, it's a birthday, it's a celebration, it's weddings, all of the, right, they mark right. that. And then, of course, at the same time, we were seeing that the right to a wedding cake went all the way to the Supreme Court. Ooh, wow. And so, yeah. like, butterflower and sugar is weird. more than just butterflower sugar. It's showing up. It's yeah, it's, we, uh, we, we, uh, when we started really focusing on this, right. we were amazed how, mm. how many times many people were using baking as a, a metaphor and a way of communicating their rage. It's also really important to point out that rage baking is a movement. Mm -hmm. You see signs of it yeah. as early as 2012, actually earlier, in literature, um, in social media, in um, journalism, in podcasting. You, you hear it from way back. So there's been this movement that seems connected to the Me Too movement. Yes. Um, and... It's also really important to say that our message here is not, oh, ladies, get back in the kitchen. You'll mm -hmm. feel better. Your rage will be squashed. You'll be able to go on with your days. Uh-uh. That yeah. is not our message. Our message is this is a way to channel your rage. This is a way to produce something. But this is also a book filled with essays that we hope will provide hope. The takeaway after working on this and working with all these powerful women, 
for me, I started it from a place of sadness and rage, and I ended it with a sense of hope. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's also something so tactile about doing something, as you said, that is going to produce results. And it's almost like taking um, some some measure of control in a world that is so out of your control that is very satisfying. The yeah. cover's yeah. so great because it's a woman's fist going into a dough right. with flour flying everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that image is so powerful for us. And, and what I saw... Is like after 9-11, there was this whole trend of comfort food. People were like retreating and saying, you know, yeah. I want to eat macaroni and cheese. And that's just, it was so upsetting. I really look at the 2016, people were like, I'm mad as hell. Mm-hmm. And what can I do about it? And this rage baking sort of seems like it, it is the way we are reacting to the times that we are in. Right, right. And um, certainly baking has a long association with being a sort of like in, in the women's world. Yep. But you mentioned men before, so are, do you Who? think that men? Yeah, you mentioned like women and men, or something like that in passing. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you see? Did you see in this hashtag like men also rage baking? Or? I mean, I've got we've gotten a bunch of comments on various posts and through mm-hmm. emails. You know, like I'm a man and I rage bake, and I'm like, more power to you. Yeah. This is we're not saying this is a book just for women, but many of the issues that we take on in this book are very women-focused. Um, the rights to control our own body, the rights to be heard. The thing about the Kavanaugh hearing, for me, um, a woman of a certain age, is I was thinking about Anita Hill, of course, and I was thinking about the number of times that women risk everything. Dr. Blasey Ford was out there risking her family, her career, her safety. For what? She wanted to tell this story because she believed that the truth mattered, but no one listened. So this became a book that was about women's voices. Does that mean men can't be part of it? Of course not. We are Mm -hmm. super interested in bridging some of the polarity in this country as opposed to creating an even larger body of water between however you want to put it, the left and the right, the them and the us, wherever you stand, we have to start having conversations. Yeah, and I think that this book is proof that that people are listening. People are raging, if you will. There's a Um, lot to rage about. Yeah. Um, We're going to cut to a quick little commercial interlude, but right when we're back, um, we're going to have some cookies um, (laughs) that these ladies have brought. So we'll talk more about that right after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by 100 Bogart, a new building in Bushwick, Brooklyn, that provides offices, co-working, event spaces, and a brand new podcast recording room. Have you been dreaming of starting your very own podcast in Brooklyn? You can now rent space in 100 Bogart's custom-built podcast room to record interviews, voiceover, and commentary. The room is fitted out with two microphones, mixing board, and a MacBook Pro running Pro Tools. You can rent the space by the hour, and a rental of an hour or more includes a 100 Bogart co-working pass. That means complimentary coffee, tea, and access to your own desk for the rest of the day. So what are you waiting for? Get started on your next audio project. 100 Bogart has the space and amenities you need to kickstart your podcast. Learn more at 100bogart.com or call their team at 718-362-362. All right, we're back chatting more with Catherine Alford and Kathy Guns, the co-authors of Rage Baking. So um, 
you guys brought me some treats and we I'm so grateful. I feel so bad I didn't bake. Hey, oh, don't feel bad. You can get I will, inspired I'm going and now to. bake. I'm yeah. totally going to. Um, this looks like gingerbread. No, it's no. not. Those no. are um, Betty Fussell's Drop Dead Pecan Spice Cookies. Yeah. I'm also not much of a baker myself. You don't have I'm to I'm the be. same person, like, you know, as, as Kathy was saying, like... I mean, it yeah. was super important to us that these not be baking recipes where you had to feel like you were a professional or master mm-hmm. baker. This is for home cooks. So that is a, like, wonderful cookie that's got crunch and spice and sugar. Mm. And um, Betty Fussell's a veteran food writer. Yes. Just a wonderful, wonderful woman who's been producing work for decades and these are fabulous cookies so that's one what a great and and these are um kathy's tahini chocolate chip cookies i am not this is a big thing to admit and i know people will say what (laughs) but i don't like peanut butter in my cookies but i do love (laughs) love sesame i love tahini so it's it's chocolate chip cookies with tahini and then it's got sesame seeds on it and malden sea salt to me it's like Everything. This is amazing. Thank this you. Cookie. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Those I'm a little. Wow. I think I've rage baked those about Brilliant. 15 times. Yes. Many times <laughs> yeah. you were like, I'm making sesame cookies again. And I'm like, okay, okay. And these are so fabulous. Fun. This is Catherine's. And, and these are um, kind of Beautiful. my version of a black and white. You know, why choose mm-hmm. between a black and white? It's a marble cookie that's kind of a sugar cookie with chocolate and vanilla and a little sesame. Yum, yum, and yum, yum. they're super. They're, they. They look mm. really cool and freeform, and they're super easy to make. It's super, really super cool. You good. take like a ball of. It's the like vin- a yin yang. Yeah, <laughs> it's a yin yang. Yeah. Talk about how you do. Well, the it's like you two make doughs. the two dough. You make one dough. You add chocolate to a half. half of it, and then you just kind of glob the two doughs together on a piece of parchment. Glob, glob, glob. It's yeah. like glob, uh-huh. blob. It's not super fancy, that. however random balls. it is. Balls, and then you tie it up like a party favor. Chill it, slice mm-hmm. it, and then each cookie is unique and different. It's brilliant. I love it. And, and the flavor is really great. I love that sort of Mexican chocolate yes. vanilla thing yes. going on there. I wish people I could see a... you with all these cookies and in your own. hand. Um, well, you can hear the crunch. They're really good and crisp, too. Yes. Um, and, e- and, and really, uh, to reiterate what Kathy said, these are accessible recipes, mm-hmm. we, and they are not even just triple tested, quadruple tested. I'm a kind bit of obsessively. A, I'm kind Catherine of obsessive <laughs> about recipe testing for mm-hmm. years of running the um, test kitchen at Food Network. Yes, and I was like, it's got to work. People have to feel successful, and that's really part of part of where this moment we are right now is like so it's much, good and delicious, right? And it's there's so much delight throughout this book. I have to say, like throughout. You know, reading it, and especially with Jessica B. Harris's essay yeah. in the beginning, where she talks about getting stuck on a, uh, like, you know, robocall or, or something like that. Being um, put on hold. I mean, that I was just, the thing. Everyone comes to rage from a different right. place. I yeah. know. I just started cracking up because we've all been there before. And reading about, like, horrible things makes me remember, oh, yes, but that time when I screamed at, like, you know, a poor tele whatever marketer <laughs> you know yeah. and, it's and therapeutic cool. definitely yes. therapeutic and it's very important that you know that we wanted this also to make people laugh mm-hmm. um and you know there's something would happen so for example you know when the alabama supreme court or not supreme court the legislature came out with taking away a woman's right to choose in that state i was like kathy we have to have a pig in a blanket 
You know, so it was just did. like so I like, dedicated the recipe to the men perfect. of Alabama. There's a really humor was important. This mm-hmm. stuff gets heavy. Um, there's a yeah. wonderful essay by um, an LA writer named Tess Rafferty called "The Revolution Will Be Catered," and mm. the first sentence is this. Here's the bad news, America. You've woken a white, hot, atomic geyser of rage in women. Here's the good news. We've brought cookies. And it goes on, and it's just serious and upsetting and hilarious at the same time. And we felt like we wanted to create a mood where we say, hey, this is some really disturbing, heavy stuff that's going on, but we still have to have a sense of humor. Yep. And there was a point when um, I really stopped at the seriousness of of it all, Um, reading actually your essay, Catherine, um, Mm. about your upbringing. You said you you had two moms growing up, one white and one black, Mm -hmm. and uh, Virginia. Virginia. Virginia was the name of your... Um, African American nanny mm-hmm. in house with for, with she your single mother. She always said she was a housekeeper. housekeeper. Was, she was very clear about that. Mother. She was okay. like a housekeeper. And yeah, I grew up in, in Washington D.C. in the '60s. And I really, my passion for cooking, Virginia taught me how to cook, and I would spend hours in the kitchen with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and one day I came home. And the entire kitchen from one end to the other was covered with basically the entire cake chapter from The Joy of Cooking. <laughs> wow. And I was like, and I was what? probably like 10. And I was like, oh, my God, my, my, my home has turned into a bakery. And there was Virginia in the middle of it. And she was like, I bake when I'm mad. And I suddenly got like the power of that, of her skill, her passion, and her calm that she came from mm, that. The controlled and rage. The controlled mm. rage. And it, it really, it's something that really stuck with me for so long. And then also my mother, who was, I'll be perfectly honest, was not a good cook. The one time she made a cake, it was inedible. Um, but she also, we did, um, after the Martin Luther King Um, was shot and the riots in D.C., we just cooked and made food. And it was very, very therapeutic. And Mm. we shared it with the community. And these moments where, as a kid, it really just was very powerful to realize Mm. that food was a tool and made me very connected. Um, to them. That and was really so, powerful. And yeah, I, it's a great essay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I, it's, it's something, and, and actually it's something that's an essay I've wanted to write kind of my entire, <laughs> my entire career, and, and, and I finally delicate. found the right place yeah. to do yeah, it. Yeah, and so. a delicate topic, for yeah. sure, to say to mothers and have it be about someone who was hired to help your family, and I think Catherine did it really well. And she's—I'm still in touch with her today. Really? Yeah, we we talk to each other pretty much every year. I saw her last year, Mm -hmm. um, and she um, she calls us my sisters and I her girls. I was in her wedding. I mean, this is a very—I mean, I'm going to—I'm not a crier at all, but I will start crying. (laughs) All right. She was a very profound influence on my life. That's wonderful. That's a wonderful tribute to her. Did you ever know what was making making her angry that day that she baked so much? Um, I have an inkling, yeah. but she never really yeah. said okay. said what it was. I have a feeling it was my mother, <laughs> <laughs> the boss. Well, there, yeah, there's so many things to be raging at given you know the time, uh, the era that you're you're describing here. So yes, yeah. yes, it was a very growing up in D.C. I have to say, um, imprinted me in a really powerful way about. Where we, I mean, I grew up in martial law, so mm. it was. This is this is important to use your voice. Right. And um, for example, another little part of this essay: the FBI came to our door and um, was asking us about our neighbors. Oh, yeah. And I, my mother, threw them out of our yeah. house. And I was like, <laughs> "Right on, mom." <laughs> 
Well done. I loved learning about the powerful women um, and the mothers. Uh, Osai Endelin's essay definitely. Love that. It's a um, beautiful essay. It's called Typing is a Kind of Fury. And she tells the story of being a young African-American girl and her mother and grandmother advocating for her by typing letters to people when they were outraged by scholarships that were offered or things that were dangled in front of her and what an impact the sound of that typewriter had on this young writer and how it taught her when to fight and when to step mm-hmm. back. It's, she's a beautiful writer. Wow, that was really powerful. Um, yeah, I mean, throughout this book, there's just so many different takes on this theme and, and so many recipes, too. I'm just savoring these cookies I know, she's right now. The co- I'm sorry. No, it's I'm okay. Like... I'll help you out okay. here. I mean, that was really our goal. Every time you turn the page, mm-hmm. we wanted something new to happen. So one of the beauties of this book for me is that my mother-in-law was a photojournalist. And she passed away a few years ago. And we've been going through piles of her work from New York and all over the world. Her name is Nancy Rudolph. And... I remembered there was a box called Women's Marches. And I thought, oh, can I find, you know, I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of photographs over a 60-year career or more. And um, I found the box. And in it were these black and white photographs of early women's marches. So on one of the very first pages, you see one of the first women's marches in front of the White House where all the women are wearing fur coats and high heels and carrying umbrellas. Oh, wow. And it's also notable because they are so close to the White House. Like, Uh. no one gets that close. So you turn from that to a gorgeous spread, a black and white, of all the faces Mm. of the women that are in the chapter for pies, for example. And then you go from that black and white photo to a gorgeous color photo of food taken by the extraordinarily talented Jarell Guy, mm. who did all the food photography. Connecting all the threads and moments in, in time, too, with, with just up to the current. I mean, there was just the Women's March, like, you know, a few weeks ago. Exactly. Pink pussy um, hats in right? the photos. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And there's still many things going on that are rage-worthy. I mean... You think? I don't know. Yeah, the last couple weeks have been a little brutal. A little brutal. That's an understatement. Someone said to us recently, um, if a Democrat's nominated, and if it's a woman, will your rage be gone? And I thought, um, let's take a look at women's history. It was only 100 years ago that we didn't have the right to vote. We are still fighting for equal rights. We are still fighting for the right to control our own bodies. These are issues. It's like we take 10 steps forward and 11 backwards. Mm -hmm. It's 2020, and we're still fighting for so many of the same issues of like, hey, we're here, we're equals, and we're going to fight for it. Absolutely. So I don't see rage fading. Right, right, yeah. I, I would agree. I mean, we have t- mm-hmm. so many things where you just open the paper every single day, and whether it's climate change or trans rights or, you know, just the traveling through the country, who's allowed in and out of the country, it's, it's it, no, yeah, my rage not. is not quelled. Hey, well, I'm just so grateful for you both for flexing your many years of expertise <laughs> in food media for a book with a serious purpose and Thank a serious you. passion. Thanks. And I don't know who would have done it as well, so I, this is really a great 
great work. Well, so. it's thank you, and it's it's the response has been amazing beyond our expectations. Mm-hmm. And it is you know you put all your skills together, and to be able to do something as powerful and bring all these women together has been an amazing. And I will say the collaboration mm-hmm. with Kathy has been extraordinary. And is that because you're both named Catherine, or is I'm just kidding? I'm not Catherine. Maybe oh, you're it's the, not. Ma- okay. No, I'm plain old Kathy. Um, okay. No, it's a ten year friendship. A lot of people okay. are like, "Are you guys?" Do you guys still get along? And like, <laughs> I'm like, better than ever. We almost had a thing this morning over a cookie tin, but we're good. Yeah, we figured okay. it out. All right, cool. Yeah. I mean, you guys are both very different names than mine because mine's Kathy with a C. So it's a you totally are a true different deviant. thing. Yeah. Right? And are you, <laughs> I mean, are you Catherine? I am a Catherine, yeah. yeah. And it, how do you spell it? It is a C-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-E. Oh, Close wow. enough. I get, I get yeah. that. I'll accept that. Yeah. yeah. You'll yeah. accept it. <laughs> As a Catherine to a Catherine? As a Catherine, yes. <laughs> and you never go by Kathy? Uh, no, wow. never. Interesting. Never. Good, so at least we have that. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. We're all very, very yeah. different names. Yeah. Um, well, uh, that's about all the time we have for today, but uh, thank you so much for joining and t- sharing this story behind the book and for writing this book. Thanks so much thanks for your for having interest us. and having us on. All right. It's thanks. been wonderful. Excellent. And thanks, Jeet, everyone at Heritage. We'll see you next week on Eat Your Words. Eat Your Words is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.